now it's time to introduce you to a, a great friend of mine, uh, someone who I've known for several years now. And you may look around yourselves at Baylor, maybe in your classes, and say, I wonder where these people are going to be in the next few years. Well, in the year 2000, I picked up a guy named Vernon Shazier from the airport, and I took him to Truett Seminary on a preview day. And he and his wife, Sean, and his sons, Vernon and Ryan, ended up coming to Waco, Texas from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, to be a part of Truett Theological Seminary and to get his Masters of Divinity here in our great town. And so Vernon shared life with us for those four years. And since, he's gone back to Fort Lauderdale, and he is the pastor of, of Mount Bethel Ministries in Fort Lauderdale. <clears throat> he's also a leader and an author. He's written a couple books in that time. He's a performance coach. He cares deeply about leadership and team development as disciplines. Um, but most importantly, Vernon loves Jesus. And Ver Vernon, um, out of his very pores, seeps Jesus Christ. And so it's really fun for me to be around him because I feel like I'm closer to God after having been in his presence. Vernon is an NFL chaplain for the Miami Dolphins. He holds a degree in biomedical engineering from Kaiser University a Bachelor of Science in Psychology from Nova Southeastern University, and as I spoke earlier, as I told you, he's a graduate of Truett Theological Seminary with his Master's of Divinity in Theology. Really a joy not only to invite someone of this notoriety and stature to Baylor, but also to invite a good friend of mine um, who has this level of God's working in his life back to our stage. So I'm going to read a passage of Scripture um, that he wants you to hear prior to him coming, and then we'll welcome him. So will you hear these words from God, from Paul's book to the church at Philippi? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Will you welcome Vernon Shazier to Baylor Chapel this morning? November the 10th, 2001, 200 endurance junkies embarked upon what is considered the most challenging mountain bike race on the planet Earth. It is a race that takes place in Costa Rica, a three-day race that begins on one side of the island, the Pacific, and it concludes on the other side, the Atlantic. And what was interesting about this race was that day one, all of these bike riders lined up excited, enthusiastic, filled with zeal to run this three-day mountain bike race, a race that would take them around three volcanoes. They would go and climb all types of terrains that you can imagine. But these bike riders who started out with a great level of zeal, excitement, and enthusiasm took off paddling and riding as hard as they could, as fast as they could, in hopes of crossing the finish line and finishing the race as a champion. But some strange things began to happen as they rose. And around day two, 
races begin to drop out of the race. The high heat and the humidity begin to harass the enthusiasm. And a mountain bike race that started out with 200 endurance junkets who were supposed to be the best condition, the strongest men and women on planet Earth concluded with only 12 individuals finishing the race. And I've discovered that that is true sometimes with those of us who are believers. We began our Christian journey, our Christian race, with such a high level of excitement, enthusiasm, and zeal. But along the course, we discover reality that even though we are saved, even though we've given our life to Christ, we're not exempt from the issues of life. We're not exempt from problems. And sometimes, in the midst of having to deal with the problems, the issues that perplex our lives, we find ourselves losing focus and sometimes dropping out of the race, sometimes walking away from that very mission, that very assignment that God has put into our heart and given us a passion to pursue. But in this text that was read to you, the Apostle Paul gives us a portrait of how we can run the race of a champion, run a champion race, a race in which every day we live our life in a way that give God glory. And this morning, I wanted to just share with you some holy hints that I believe the Paul gives to us concerning how to run a champion's race. Is there anyone in here interested in learning how to run like a champion? All right. Somebody here, let me know you know Jesus. Paul shares with us a very vivid and profound portrait concerning how you and I can run a champion race each and every day of our life. He begins by saying that you can run a champion race when you run with a humble heart. Paul, who's after giving this incredible biography, says that I have not yet arrived, even though I'm pursuing this passion, even though there's a purpose, there's a goal, there's a prize that I'm after, that I'm chasing every day of my life. I have not arrived yet. I have not attained. I have not reached that place of perfection. When you snatch the blanket off of that statement, it is a statement of humility. After all, it is Paul who says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm an Israelite. I'm a Jew. I'm a Hebrew of Hebrew. It is Paul who sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Paul had degrees running down his sleeves. He was a premier scholar of his day. If anybody had the right to bold, to boast, and to brag about who they are and all the accolades and accomplishments that they had experienced, it was Paul. But instead of bragging and boasting, he says, I put no confidence in the flesh. And instead of pointing at himself, he chooses to point at Christ. And he says, I have not yet arrived. You know what Paul was saying? He was saying to you and I, that in spite of all the accolades, in spite of all the pats on the backs, in spite of all the credentials that he had, it was not Paul, but it was Christ. He was pointing us to the amazing grace of God that enables us to have success. You're here today. You have what you have. Not simply because you're so bright, not because of your intellect, but it's because of God's grace. I believe that's what John Newton was trying to communicate when he wrote those words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I believe that's what Martin Luther was trying to communicate when he said, a mighty fortress is our God. I believe that all of them were not pointing at themselves, but pointing at the amazing grace of God. And 
I challenge you, every day of your life, every moment of your life, whatever doors opens, God opens for you to walk into, whatever blessings he gives you, run with a humble heart, knowing that it is not simply your intellect and your ability, but it is God's grace that enables you to have success and experience victory. You can run a champion race when you choose to run with a humble heart. But is that all? No. Paul says not only must you run with a humble heart, but he says you must run with focused eyes. For he goes on to say, there is one thing I do, and that is forgetting what is behind me, and I'm focusing forward. God is an eschatological God. He's not interested in your past, but he's interested in your future. And for every believer, we have a challenge. And that is to remain focused in the midst of the winds that blow to and fro in our life. To remain focused in spite of all the phone calls, all the busy things that occupy our time. To remain focused on the mission and the purpose that you've been created by God to live out. You're not here by accident or coincidence. God had you in his mind when he created you. He created you for a mission. He created you with a purpose. But life is so busy and life throws so much at us, sometimes if we're not careful, we lose focus of the main thing, and that is Christ. At the age of 18, during a temporary moment of insanity, I joined the United States Navy. I should never forget that evening standing on the pavement in San Diego, California, as I arrived for boot camp, a little Filipino gentleman with a loud voice said to us, look at me, look at me, no rubbernecking. He was suggesting that we be focused as soldiers, that we live the focused life. And that's the same suggestion that Paul makes here, that you run like champions and that a part of being a champion means that you must live a focused life sometimes life becomes extremely challenging for you to remain focused. But it is the prize, it is the prize of Christ Jesus that we focus our eyes on in the midst of being blown to and fro by the winds, in the midst of dealing with the problems that perplex you, in the midst of dealing with all the issues. I know some of you have professors that you feel that God predestined them to give you as much pain as they could. But that is an obstacle that you can overcome. The Bible even goes as far as saying that if we have the faith of a mustard seed, we can cause mountains to commit suicide. When you live a focused life, you'll discover that God will act and function as those individuals that you see in the life of a marathon runner. They have a journey, they have a race to run. They have a destiny. They have a finish line they're trying to cross. And if you watch television, whenever you see them running, as they run, and they're focused on their mission, there are men and women placed along the sides of the road that hands them what they need. Don't worry about the issues. Don't worry about the winds. Don't worry about the obstacles that you will experience in life. But just stay focused on the purpose that God has given you and you'll discover that he will place people into your life 
that will give you the help, that will give you a boost, that will give you words of encouragement when you need it the most. Paul says, you can run a champion race. When you run with a humble heart, when you run with focused eyes, but is that all? No. Still, he says, you must run with a determined spirit. For he says, I press. I press. Can't you feel and hear the tension in that word, that statement? I press. And I believe Paul is suggesting to you and I that we will have some trials and tribulations in this life. After all, Paul is sitting in a Roman jail cell waiting to go and take a walk down death row. And at any moment, a guard could come and knock on his door and say, Paul, it's your time. But in the midst of it, in the midst of being shipwrecked, he presses. In the midst of being beaten, he presses. In the midst of being lied upon, he presses. In the midst of being mistreated, he presses. In spite of all of the obstacles that he finds himself standing in front of, he continues to press on in faith. And I don't know what obstacles you will encounter in life. I don't know what obstacles you're experiencing right now. But I say to you, as the Apostle Paul said, press on. Press forward. No, you're not shipwrecked. And you're not beaten. But this world has its own unique issues that it gives and it offers to our lives. Some days it feels as if the dealer has dealt you a hand, a bad hand, no face cards, and you want to give it back in. Because we have to play the hand. Some days I wish I could walk over to the teacher like I used to do when I was in grade school and ask for a yellow pass so that I can excuse myself out of class. But there is no pass. No one can give you a pass to exit the class, the course of testing, to exit the class, the course of trial, to exit the class, the course of tribulation. But what gets you through the storms of life, what gets you through the valley of life is your determined spirit. What propels and strengthens your spirit is your belief and your faith that God is true to the promises he's given you. That God is true when he says that in your valley experience, in your valley moment, he will become a shepherd that walks with you through the valley. What gets you through the trials and the tests of life is your faith and knowing that God is true when he says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he is always there even when you feel as if he's hidden his hand and turned his back on you. He's always there because he's promised to be there through every trial, through every tribulation. And so I say to you, run with a determined spirit. Press on in spite of what each day brings you. Press on in spite of whatever hand you're dealt today or tomorrow. And you'll discover that God is faithful. God is true to his promises. Gordon Gunn, who is the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, was asked a very profound question one day during an interview with a sports reporter. Gordon Gunn has a very rare eye disease, and so he's lost his sight. He's blind. He cannot see. And that reporter asked Mr. Gunn, he said, Mr. Gunn, you're blind. You cannot see. So how is it that you 
chose to draft LeBron James. You're blind. You cannot see. You've never seen him dribble a basketball. Mr. Gunn, you're blind. You cannot see. You've never seen LeBron James shoot a basketball. So how is it that you're willing to pay him millions of dollars? And Mr. Gunn, after being silent for a few seconds, raised his head and he said, you're right. I'm blind. I've never seen LeBron dribble a basketball. You're right. I'm blind. I've never seen LeBron shoot a basketball. But I drafted LeBron James in spite of my blindness. I paid LeBron James millions in spite of my blindness because I believe the scouts report. I ask you this morning, do you believe the scouts report? I know you've never seen Matthew, but do you believe his gospel when he says that the meek shall inherit the earth? Do you believe the scouts report? I know you've never seen Luke, but do you believe his gospel when he says that God is a healer? Do you believe the scouts report? I know you have never seen the Apostle Paul, but do you believe his report when he says Christ is going to return and that he's going to crown his bride with a great crown? Do you believe the scouts report that Jesus is Lord? He's Lord over all. Because if you believe that report, then each and every day of your life, you should live a champion life. If you believe that report, each and every day of your life, you should run a champion's race. If you believe the scout's report, then each and every day of your life, you should run with a humble heart, run with focused eyes, run with a determined spirit. Do you believe the report that Jesus is Lord? If you believe the report, Run, 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 I say, run a champion's race. God bless you. God keep you. Baylor Bass. I hope that you'll go out today inspired and changed. Will you stand and receive the benediction? As you run this race, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ follow you, guide you, and sustain you. Amen and amen.